In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The man who ran up and knelt in front of our Lord asked a sincere question. The fathers of the church are all in agreement that this was not someone coming to trip him up. You can see by his kneeling down, by his running up, you can see by our Lord's response. The Lord took him at his word. The Lord could read his heart. Moreover, even his response in saying that he has observed all these commandments since his youth also is universally accepted as a genuine statement, totally sincere. It's worth mentioning that it is obviously easier to observe commandments from your youth. It's much easier to already be living a Christian life before you can even remember things than it is to try later on. It's much easier simply never to do something than to give it up, whatever it is. And so that experimental form of parenting where kids can just sort of figure out what they need to do, what they don't need to do, they can learn by experience what's right and what's wrong, doesn't teach them wisdom as much as make them smart, right? Makes them smart, not smarter. Makes them hurt, leaves them with scars, wounds them, does them a great disservice. Innocence and purity are strength. So it is understandable. It's, it's, it's believable that what as adults, as complicated adults, we might regard as rather difficult. And I'm not sure if the fifth commandment or the sixth commandment or the seventh commandment really are as hard as we get older than the fourth commandment. Everything gets complicated and difficult. But as a youth, if he's always been living this life, it makes sense. Yeah, he's probably telling the truth. He actually has been observing all these commandments. But the Lord sees that something is missing, and so he adds to it. Go sell what you have. Give to the poor. And the, and the man walks away sad. It's said by many experts that the, the leading cause of divorce, or the most commonly cited cause for divorce, is money. Now, I, I doubt there are many couples arguing that we have too much money. There may be some couples arguing that we don't have any money. But what I tell all my engaged couples, um, many hundreds now, is that money isn't as much a thing as it's an easy indicator of what you care about, who you care about, who do you love, who do you spend money on, who do you not spend money on. And share with them the, the adage taught me by an old Monsignor in Rome who had been a, a Normandy veteran who simply said about money, spit on it and use it. Don't let it own you. Don't let it possess you. But use it for good purpose. And the purposes with which we use money reveal what matters to us, who we care about. And so our Lord's teaching here isn't distinct from his eventually at the Last Supper giving a new teaching before which he will easily identify the two great commandments of the Old Testament. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. The man walks away sad because he's come upon something that he realizes he can't do on his own. Some of the commandments he was able to do on his own, so or so he thought on his own. This he can't do on his own. And as always, the long form of the gospel is very important to the point of the gospel itself. 
for human beings, it is impossible, but not for God. All things are possible for God. If we were to run up and kneel before our Lord and ask, what, what must we do to enter into everlasting life? He might begin with the, the same things that perhaps we've already been doing. Some of the commandments. He might even state them in the positive. Right? Instead of you shall not kill, love your enemy. Instead of you shall not commit adultery, love your enemy. Instead of you shall not steal, love your enemy. Instead of you shall not bear false witness, love your enemy. He makes it very clear, loving your friends, being kind to your friends, pagans do that, right? Tax, dis dishonest tax collectors, they're nice to their friends. What will, what is your commandment? Love your enemy. Obviously, there is some aspect of this life which we think we can do. That's why we're here. If we thought this were impossible, either all of it or some aspect of it were ridiculous to be even suggested, we would hit that crisis of conscience that would have eventually resulted in a crisis of faith, and we wouldn't even be here anymore. We need to keep that in mind when we're, when we're praying for and worrying about people who don't believe anymore. The cause of that may very well, may very well be a stumbling block of that's simply impossible. It's ridiculous to even tell us we can't do that or that we must do that. But all of us, if we dig deep enough, will discover that stumbling block for ourselves. Which aspect of love our enemy is impossible? Love your daughter-in-law? Love that man in your life who's not kind to his children? Love your ex-boss? Love that nameless elected official? Love that doctor or nurse? or a priest or deacon who didn't come to your loved one when they were in need? Love your spouse? If we dig deep enough, we will get to the point of exasperation and say, that? I can't do that on my own. And when the Lord says, that's the person you need to love if you want to go to heaven, we walk away sad. But hopefully we know and hear the rest of what he has to say. For you, it is impossible. On your own, you can't get to heaven. But for God, all things are possible. And so then it's, an, it's another series of questions. The first series of questions and answers, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Obey the commandments. Don't be attached to money. We turn that into a second set of questions. What must I do to enter into eternal life? Love your enemy, love your enemy, love your enemy. All right, what really, what, what must I do to inherit everlasting life? It's a question of what are we going to let God do to us so that he can bring us to everlasting life? You have to be willing to be like children. You have to be willing to let God be your father. You have to be willing to let God live in you. You have to allow God and his truth to be your thoughts. You have to allow his love and his affections to be in your heart. You have to let God be your life. Then you already have eternal life. 
What is at the heart of our good deeds? Faith, St. James makes very clear. What is at the heart of our good works? God, it's the grace of God. That's why we sing, fill us with your love, O Lord, and we will sing for joy. And why we prayed at the beginning of Mass, may your grace, O Lord, we pray, at all times go before us and follow after and make us always determined to carry out good works. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.